and welcome to Technically Iowa, a podcast highlighting female entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and all-out female rock stars connected to technology in Iowa. I'm Beth Trejo, and I'll be your host for this show. Today, my guest speaker will be Kaylee Williams, president at Volunteer Local. We have a great show for you today, so stay tuned. Hello, Kaylee. Welcome to the show. Hi, Beth. Thank you for having me today. We are excited to have you here, and we typically start out with a little bit of your background, who you are, where you're calling in from today, and yeah, just give us a little bit of background. Certainly. I am calling in from Des Moines, Iowa. I am the president of Volunteer Local, a volunteer scheduling and registration platform that can be used by any event of any size anywhere in the world. I am an Iowa native. I grew up in Cedar Falls. Both my parents worked for the University of Northern Iowa. My mother was very involved with the business school and taught a few classes on entrepreneurship, so I definitely got the bug from her. Uh, My dad is a prairie ecologist, and the two of them, when they were young, had their own antique shop. So they actually bought and refurbished old furniture and sold it out of a ramshackle Victorian house in Marion, Iowa. So growing up, I learned a lot about entrepreneurship And I knew when I graduated from college that I wanted to somehow get involved in the world of entrepreneurship myself. I met Brian Hemeseth, who is the founder of Volunteer Local in Des Moines. He had this little company that created a scheduling platform for events that need volunteers. And he was looking for an intern, somebody who could reach out to the people who were using the product, understand what benefits were the the most useful to them and how we might actually make a little more money uh, than just having a free version that people could use to schedule their volunteers online. So I took the job as an intern 10 hours a week and I worked my way up to our full-time community manager. I fell in love with the vision of Volunteer Local. I fell in love with the product that we had created and it didn't take long for me to fall in love with our customers too. Within the next three to four years, we scaled the product to serve events of all types. Our four key verticals are probably nonprofit organizations, as you might imagine, music and art festivals, marathons, uh, endurance events like triathlons, and then, of course, colleges and universities. So we, we scaled the product. We identified who the customers were. We added a bunch of new features to it, and uh, we continued hiring more people. And today, we are represented all over the world. Uh, we have a full team of four four people working in Chicago and Des Moines. We're just chugging along, having a great time, and we're still you know rocking it like a startup. So we get to make all our own decisions. We make our own hours. Uh, you know, we get all the perks of of being in this space and continuing to learn every day. Awesome. I love that. And, you know, being on multiple volunteer groups and committees, I had kind of a background when I first started working in social media. Um, I was working for the American Red Cross. um, Mm -hmm. And so we definitely had to do volunteer management and activation. So I think your product is fascinating. Take me through a little bit as, let's just say, a nonprofit. They're they're scheduling an event or they're planning an event. At what point do you guys, does the product step in? Is it right from the beginning or I'm interested to know little bit more? Yeah, great question. It's right at the beginning. Most events need volunteers. And the really beautiful thing about our product is that almost everybody that uses Volunteer Local knows someone else who could benefit from using Volunteer Local. Yeah, I can imagine. what What we do is we allow the volunteer coordinator to create the jobs and shifts they need filled. 
So imagine you're doing a Susan G. Komen 5K race for the cure. You're going to need some volunteers as course marshals. You're going to need volunteers at the finish line. You're going to need volunteers at the merchandise table. So you create all those roles, the shift times with their start and end times. And then in Volunteer Local, you turn that event live. And it's basically a website where the volunteers can self-schedule. So they pick what they want to do. They pick when they're available to do it. They fill out the short little registration form at the bottom and they click sign up to volunteer. And all of these registrations flow into a report for the volunteer coordinator. So you can imagine the amount of work that we take away from this process of having to do, you know, all the back and forth and trying to figure out who can do what and who wants to work with whom. We tried to create a system that would automate all of that. And like you said, it would hopefully be at the very beginning of the process that they would use volunteer local, recruit volunteers early, and then send them their reminder emails and check them in the day of the event. Oh my goodness, that is a game changer. I used to do event coordination and that was my job was basically entering and organizing all of that. And to know that there's a a software and a product out there that could do that for you, I can imagine your clients really appreciate the solution that you're providing them. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you for your kind words. We get all kinds of accolades and and nice things. We work with the National Cherry Festival, and they just sent us a whole bunch of dried cherries. We get get thank you notes. We get T-shirts. We get festival passes. We even had one coordinator write in and say, you saved my volunteer captain from quitting. Yeah. So it, it's uh, it's it's a fun job to do to be you know the bearer of good news all the time. <laughs> yeah, I can completely imagine. When did the company start? How many years ago? Great question. We became an official LLC in 2009, and I joined the team in 2012, and that's when we really started to scale the product. Gotcha. And so, what was the market like at that point, and how have you embraced risk to kind of go in in many regards? I'm sure uncharted mm-hmm. territory. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like to tell people when we first started, our biggest competitor was a spreadsheet. I can, Today, I, can I believe that. Yeah, yeah. And today it's been fascinating to watch this industry of volunteer management solutions really kind of explode in a way. Today we're seeing people come to us from other solutions. So a big part of what we had to do is we started to really scale into these industries was understand what our competitors were providing and how we differentiated from them. So that when we got on the phone with these folks, it wasn't just, hey, we can make your life better by taking away the spreadsheet. It was, hey, we're better than these other volunteer management solutions because X, Y, and Z. So in terms of embracing risk, we've done a few things that were creative and fun and some that completely failed and a few that didn't, luckily. Right. (laughs) So I'll break it down into three areas where we've embraced risk. First, marketing. We put together a marketing campaign in 2015 where we identified 10 potential accounts that we wanted to add to our roster of customers using Volunteer Local. And we sent those individuals these beautiful spa kits. They were sandalwood boxes that had face masks inside of them and warm fuzzy socks and little chocolates. And the whole idea behind it was that we here at Volunteer Local can take away the stress of volunteer management. So everything was branded and it said, and there's a little brochure in there and it said, you know, call us, we'll take away all your stress. And by the way, you know, have a chocolate on us and a warm bath. And it failed, 100% failed. We didn't have anybody actually reach out and sign up to be (laughs) on Volunteer Local, but it was sure fun to try. Since then, we've gone to conferences and trade shows that we thought would be beneficial to our company, and those have actually panned out very well for us. So identifying the niche clients that really love our product and then finding them at the conferences and trade shows 
I think in this day and age, when you can put a face behind a website, when I can shake someone's hand and say, I'm Kaylee with Volunteer Local, you know, and introduce my director of operations, this is Lucy at Volunteer Local, people are so much more likely to try your product. They just need that human element. The third thing we did with marketing, We actually hired a contractor in Chicago to help us with some of our marketing efforts. And this is another one that actually hasn't panned out as well as we thought it might. Um, Just another lesson learned. Marketing is a a wild beast and it can go in any different direction. And and you got to learn along the way and be willing to take the risk, both with your brand, of course, because anytime you're doing marketing, you're putting your brand out there in a certain way. But financially as well, you have to invest. You got to spend money to make money. (laughs) So marketing is one area where we try to embrace a little bit of risk. Operational. We made a couple of new hires who have focused primarily on sales, of course. We did a blended payout for them. So they had a base salary plus a pretty steep commission for any deal that they closed. Um, We learned a lot of things along the way with these new hires. Not every single one of them worked out, as you can imagine. But again, it was a risk. Um, Payroll, I think, for any business is the most expensive part of keeping the whole ship running. So adding to the payroll expense line is always going to be a risk and measuring and tracking as you go to try and understand what works and what doesn't work is critically important. The last thing I'll talk about as it relates to managing risk. Taking risk is building out features to augment the value of your product. So at Volunteer Local, we decided pretty early on that we were only going to add features to Volunteer Local that customers asked for directly. So we did not pretend to be the experts in what they needed. We let them tell us what they needed, but we took it with a grain of salt. You know, we have to vet every feature request that comes through to make sure that it truly is in the best interest of the client should we build it. And I would always call three or four other customers using Volunteer Local to see if they would want it and perhaps more importantly. Beth, if they would pay for it, if we built it. So we uh, continued to add more and more new features to Volunteer Local and tried to make sure that those features were going to uh, give us a great return on investment in the long run. That's super interesting. So tell me when someone comes up to you or, or one of your clients and said, okay, now I want the ability to register my friends on the go, or maybe I want it, I want it all on an app. How do you decide what is, what is a core feature and what is maybe would be nice, but maybe not in line with your mission? Yeah, great question. I think if you've ever done a survey, it's a lot like getting survey feedback. You can't look at an individual's response and make a judgment call. You have to look at the numbers in aggregate. So when I hear somebody make a feature request, um, I actually have a little spreadsheet where I put it in as you know something that they wanted and I put who asked for it, when they asked for it. And then every time I'm on the phone with someone, I ask that other person if they would also use it. And then sometimes I don't even have to ask them. It gets brought up even without me prompting. So the things that are going to be core functionality, they rise to the top pretty easily. The things that are unique to the client um, are usually pretty easy to spot. Not always, but you have to you have to look around at everybody else using the product and ask yourself if it's something that's beneficial across the board to everyone or if it's something that is so unique to this individual's volunteer program that we should be charging them or at least, you know, putting out a bid so that they can pay us to build it for them individually. Wow, you sound like you've really learned a lot over the course of going from an intern to now really getting deep into the products. Where would you recommend others to kind of 
be able to find somebody. Yeah, Um, I am so glad you're asking about mentors. I have been extremely fortunate. I've been able to surround myself with about eight mentors all from day one. (laughs) They come from all different backgrounds. They are both men and women. Some of them are involved in tech, some not so much. But I've been open to the relationships as they presented themselves and they've been absolutely critical to my growth. So I'm very passionate about mentorship and I have a few tips that I'd like to share. First, before anything else, when you're looking for a mentor, you have to first identify what you need from that mentor. So more specifically, you should ask yourself what gap or gaps exist in my skill set that if I strengthened would help me to grow my company. Three years ago, I did not know what a balance sheet was. I didn't know how to read a profit and loss statement when I wanted to hire a new employee or spend a few thousand dollars at a trade show. I actually wasn't fully armed with the financial savvy that I needed to make those decisions. So I recognized pretty early that this was a very real gap in my skill set that I needed to fill. And I sought out a mentor who could assist me in developing a more deep and thorough understanding of not just like the accounting lexicon, which does sometimes feel like its own language, but a brand new way to track cash flow that was suited just for me. So once you've identified what you need from a mentor, then you can begin to pull your network. And I would recommend asking anyone and everyone, men and women, if they know someone who can assist you with your specific need. And I will point out that Des Moines is a particularly special place because of the accessibility of our most prominent leaders, not only in tech, of course, but in the corporate world as well. That's awesome. You know, I think one of the barriers that people have with finding mentors is they don't know the words. They don't know how to ask someone to be their mentor. When you approached that one mentor that you're mentioning, what did you say or how does somebody get started with that? Because I think that's a big barrier for a lot of people. I would start with the need that has to be addressed. It's a lot easier to ask someone if they can help you with the financial forecasting for your business than it is to ask them to be a mentor. So start with a very real need. You know, make it clear that this isn't just a a relationship that you want to have just to say you have it, but that there really is value there for you to help you grow your business. I think a lot of people who have this kind of experience in the business world want to reach down and lift up these new businesses that are up and coming. And so if they can leverage their own skill set in a way that will help you to grow, they are willing to do that. And so you need to frame the conversation in such a way that it's very clear that if they could help you with this one aspect of your skill set, that it will help your business to grow as well. I think that's great advice. And I also think that you can't be afraid for someone to say no, right? I mean, don't you think that that's, I mean, that's just part of, part of the game. If somebody isn't a good fit or they don't have time, I mean. That's right. Yeah. And it does take time. It does take time out of their day, out of their lives. I've been asked to mentor someone and I actually had to say no. And it, it is really tough. I mean, it has to be a good fit. And being open to hearing no and willing to move on, there are opportunities to network with potential new mentors. So I think like seeking out who those mentors should be is another difficult thing to do. I know that the Greater Des Moines Leadership Institute has a program called Community Connect that I got involved in early on, which puts you directly in front of people who are willing to mentor, you know, young individuals that are starting out in business. Young Variety has a lunch with leaders fundraiser where you can, I think, pay a hundred bucks and you get to have lunch with a CEO in Des Moines. So if you seek out these events, it's a little easier in a networking environment to make the pitch that you would really like to have a mentor in some specific area to help you grow. 
Wow, it sounds like there's some really great resources in that central Iowa area, and I'm assuming there are similar ones throughout the state. Who are some Iowans that you feel like are making a, a significant strides in technology? Seems like you're really connected to your community there and, and probably statewide. Yeah, oh, well, thank you. It's a great question. I'm always a little bit hesitant with questions like these, <laughs> primarily because, you know, I'll never aim to be the ultimate authority on who and what are the biggest movers and shakers in Iowa's tech industry. I am fairly well networked in Des Moines, so my response will naturally be skewed towards those companies and folks in central Iowa. So when I first started in the startup scene in Des Moines, I really advocated heavily for more connectivity across the state. And I think this could be done through conferences, meetups, publications like at the time, Silicon Prairie News and now Clay and Milk. I still believe that connectivity is what will strengthen our startups and all Iowa communities. However, as we're talking about women in tech and, of course, given my ties to central Iowa, I will mention a few ladies who I personally admire in the space. First, Lana Fox at Clinic Note. Her company graduated from the Global Insurance Accelerator a few years ago. She's taken the helm, and her product is making significant advancements in technology for uh, speech pathologists everywhere. In Des Moines, I recently met a young woman named Keena McAllister, who moved here from Seattle and is directly addressing the delta of women in STEM through a product called STEMBox. I don't know if you've heard of this, Beth. She no, actually sends science kits to young girls all over the country. Oh, that is amazing. And they're yeah. like little, like, box kits or yeah, like they're little box kits that they can open up and play with. And she's like I said, she's really uh, tackling this disparity between the number of women and men in tech later on. Wow, that's great. And is it for all ages? Do you know? Or yes. is it? Okay. Yeah, I think primarily she's going after teenagers, but I'm pretty sure like I could probably sign up for it and get one. <laughs> right, exactly. Like sign <laughs> me up. That's really awesome. I'll throw out a couple more. So uh, there's a young woman named Antoinette Stevens. She works at Principal Financial, and she is actively involved in the Des Moines startup community through TAI's Diversity and Inclusion Committee. She's also a teacher for Girls Who Code at Central Academy, which is terrific. Um, she's been a really vocal advocate for women and girls in the space. I'll mention one more. Amy Vos uh, has a company, I think, in central Iowa called Little Sidekick. And I'm not a mother myself, but I really do see the tremendous value in the product she sells. And uh, clearly others do, too. I just found out she's distributing not only in Toys R Us and Bye Bye Baby, but also Walmart. Wow. What kind of country. a product is it? It's like a little sidekick that's supposed to protect your baby inside the stroller. Oh, Awesome. Man, there's yeah. some really cool things. I think we could do a completely separate podcast about just naming all the cool <laughs> movers and shakers because, I, I mean, it's fascinating. There's so many people doing cool things around the state. I think you, you hit it right on the nose when you said that we just need to be connected. And that's one of the reasons that we really started this podcast is we want to connect everybody throughout the state. And the Technology Association Iowa has been great to offer this podcast up to do that. But I think that could be a really great future episode. Oh, yeah. Agreed. There's a lot going on that people, I don't even think people in Iowa are truly aware of how many amazing things are being built and scaling here in our state. Yeah, I completely agree. Especially, you know, a lot of tech companies, I think, kind of operate under the radar or within their little communities. But, you know, you go ask someone off the street if they know of XYZ company. And, you know, if it's not a, a product they're consuming, they may not realize the magnitude or just the quality that's coming out of the state. Yep. All right. Well, now it's time for a little trivia. So we're going to do this. Would you rather textile? Um, so I'm going to I'm going to ask you four questions and you get to pick. Would you rather? OK, so the first one. Okay. 
Fire away. Would you rather only have access to YouTube on the internet or okay. only have access to games on the internet? YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> You're How not a gamer? I'm going to watch Rick and Morty, Beth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What about, would you rather lose all of your contacts on your phone or $100? $100. Oh, really? I, my, I would go with contacts on that. I, I cannot handle when blank numbers come up on my phone. <laughs> okay, would you rather create a super successful app or go on tour with Beyonce? Tour with Beyonce. That would be my choice as well. <laughs> okay, would you rather give up search engines or social media? Oh, I would rather give up social media. Than search engines? Yeah, that's a really, yes. that's a hard one for me. I use social media a lot to search, so I might be able to kind of get around that, but I don't know. That would be a tough one. Yeah, it would be tough, but I found that um, by pulling away a little bit from social media, I've had a little bit more, I don't know, balance in my life. I look at a screen a lot, you know, with my job. I can work anywhere. I have internet, so it like every now and then I deactivate my Facebook, which has been really good for me. So I don't know. It's just, uh, I think it would be good. I think it would actually be awesome if my social media were like taken away. Forcibly. <laughs> yeah. Just, <laughs> just do a detox, a social media yep. detox. All right. Well now it's time for a life hack. What we're going to look at today is what one employee perk that you offer at your business that you feel like adds value to your recruitment efforts and could help other businesses. Oh, yeah. We have a few perks that are really unique to Volunteer Local, and I'm not going to talk about those because I don't think that they're necessarily doable for other businesses. So what I will talk about is the one perk that we offer that is consistently very well received by our employees and which I think any business could also do. We came up with this idea uh, about two years ago to provide a professional development fund for each employee at Volunteer Local. Uh, This fund is in the amount of $500 per year, and the employee can use it however they want. They can tell me, hey, Kaylee, I want to buy this plane ticket and go to this conference, and I want to pull it from my professional development fund. And we'll buy the ticket and send them on their way. The only caveat, of course, is that they are strengthening something within their skill set. So they want to improve in some area professionally. They can use the professional development fund to improve in that area, whether it's a book, a plane ride, whatever it may be, a class. Um, that's, that's what it's there for, and it completely belongs to them. Oh, I love that. And does it roll over? Like, can if you don't use it, it yes, one year? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. It rolls over each year. So they can really uh, add up quite a bit. I earmark the money every year. So it just gets put aside as if we had already spent it. So yeah, it does roll over. Oh, that I think that's a great way to do that. Because I know that a lot of employers want to add um, professional development experiences to their employee roster, but sometimes get a little bit stuck about making things too complicated. I know, yeah. my, you know, I, I I'm probably falling into that category where, you know, we really want to support our employees, but you just don't want a huge project to manage. And that one seems very simple. <laughs> right, let the employee pick. Yes. That's the real key here is that they get to decide how they spend it. Because I know I know that barrier of wanting to provide professional development opportunities, but not necessarily knowing where to start, where to send them, what they want to work on. So we just put it right back in their hands and give them a budget. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you. I think that that's going to be very valuable to our listeners today. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate you being here. I think you've given people a lot of really useful information. And thanks so much. Yeah. Well, thank you, Beth. It's been a real pleasure to chat with you today. And I wish you the best of luck with this project. Thanks so much. Take care.
Technology Association of Iowa is proud to be a uniting force for Iowa's technology community. You can visit technologyiowa.org to learn more about how to get involved. Thank you for listening to this episode.